Across the Netflix stream, I'm Ward. This is your resource for Netflix. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Twitter, and Facebook. Cross the Netflix stream. Contact us. Let us know what you think, what you've seen, and what we should see. Go to our website to find all of our older episodes, written reviews, and Netflix news. Cross the Netflix stream.com. Also watched Tomb Raider, the 2018 version, The Disaster Artist, and I, Tanya. Tomb Raider. Lara Croft, the fiercely independent daughter of a missing adventurer, pushes herself beyond her limits when she discovers the island where her father disappeared. This, you know, it's a reboot of Tomb Raider. It's based on the video game series at Video Game 6. Angelina Jolie was in the original movie that released in 1. And this is based on the video game reboot, which released in 13. Now, I never played the reboot video game. I played the original video game, but I don't remember like a Jaguar when they spell all of But uh, yeah, this, from the game, it seems like this borrows the island and the Japanese Himiko, Himiko from the game. I'm not sure it borrowed much else. I did a quick Wikipedia. This movie, it checks the boxes, typical big budget action movie, but it doesn't do much else. I thought the opening was really solid. You have this nice, you know, a couple of nice scenes where we establish Laura Croft and who she is to a degree. She's, you know, fierce, of course. She's in a gym, doing MMA type stuff. You know, I thought it was just kind of a fun little thing to get to know her and see who she is. She's a courier, bicycle snacks around the city. And, you know, there's just some neat things there. But, man, it, that we didn't get any of that after the first couple of scenes. There are some unbelievable set pieces that they contribute to the action. They often feel contrived. Just, oh, wow, that plane fell perfectly. If she had fallen any other way, it would have killed her. Oh, the same plane falls again in just the right way that does not kill her. A third, what? It's falling again? I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's kind of cool in a way, but it just stretches. We've got a one-dimensional bad guy, played by Walton Goggins, who is awesome. I mean, Walton Goggins is great. They just don't leverage him at all. And I mean, you could change it up so many different ways. He's just this bad guy. He follows orders. He's been digging for this tomb for seven years and wants to go back home, but he can't leave till the digging's over. I don't know. If it was, if he, he was the bad guy and he was digging because he's crazy and just wanted this power so bad, I could get that a little bit more. But if you're just doing it for somebody else, how do you maintain passion? I mean, if he was crazy, like, I don't know, Fitzcarraldo crazy, that's one thing. This, uh, I don't get it. And then I'm not going to spoil this for you, but there you'll know exactly what I'm talking about if or when you see this. There's a subplot in the movie that could have been completely and entirely cut out. It's only there to force this emotional manipulation, and it annoyed the heck out of me. So many things were contrived with this subplot, and it could completely cut. You wouldn't have missed a thing. Because towards the end, it's like, oh yeah, I know where this is going. Barf. Blah. Boring. Didn't want, just didn't care. This frequently did feel like video game inspired which it is but you know i haven't played the latest tomb raider video game but it felt a lot like the uncharted video game some of the climbing some of the puzzles like the way things unfold and even even kind of like this bad guy type thing towards the end i'm like man it's like they just took the uncharted script and ran with it and just inserted Lara croft in there. because at the start i thought this was going to be a more realistic take on you know Lara croft and everything she does but it's not realistic it's not like well i thought okay the beginning told me that, but that just doesn't hold. And I wish for that version. I want something that is a little more realistic, or at least a little tighter, like tighter, leaner version. Because you can tell this is big budget. They pull out all the stops. You get all these big set pieces. For what? You know, I would love to have seen just some quick scenes or clips of her surviving in the jungle, preparing to get these guys. We don't get any of those small moments. It's got to be big and bombastic, and that's not what I want. Maybe I should. Obviously, I should realize that Tomb Raider is not going to be that kind of movie. But I thought there's a lot of potential in this movie, and it's obscured by big budget spectacle because that movie just wants to blow you away with, ooh, man, can you believe what's happening here? I don't care for it. You know, I really, like I said, I like the beginning. Vickner's charisma really shines through. 
And I thought we were going to get a little bit more of that, where she continues to develop throughout the movie. No. She develops. We get to know her in the first couple of scenes, and there's no more development. I just didn't like it. I thought they could have done more with her. And again, even more with Walton Goggins. you got two solid actors. And especially towards the end, once we get into the tomb of this, it reminded me a lot of National Treasure, too. Uh, and I don't know. I like... You got this tomb. You got this, like, evil Japanese emperor. And the way that developed, I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't see that coming. But all the puzzles and set pieces and stuff in the tomb, all it feels like something you've seen in a movie before, probably because you have. I would love to see this on a smaller scale, a little bit more budget, where Laura really uses her wits to survive on the island while evading the goons. I wanted small moments instead of big budget trash. I don't know. That's Tomb Raider. Would I recommend it? That's a good question. The it depends. I mean, if you want big budget spectacle, well, this is a great way to go. If you want something a little more realistic, tight, lean, uh, you're going to have a little desire. The Disaster Artist. When aspiring film actor Greg Sestero meets the weird and mysterious Tommy Wiseau in an acting class, they make their dreams come true. How do they do that? They make a movie. And if this movie was not rooted in fact, I would not believe it. If you don't know Tommy Wiseau, you would think this is some kind of wild parody, which it is to a large degree, but it's crazy that it can be a parody while being a fact-based story. This movie is always entertaining, mainly because of James Franco and how he embodies Wiseau. It's this surreal look at what it takes to make a movie, and it redefines the definition of famous. Because Tommy Wiseau, if you didn't know anything about him, his shtick, his movie, he seems like an alien in this. He's unfamiliar with pop culture. He's un He doesn't know how to interact with people. He doesn't know social norms. He knows nothing. It's like he really seems like an alien put down on this planet, and he's trying to figure out how do human beings work and interact? And let me let me mask my alien accent because he has this weird accent that he says, "Oh yeah, it's from cousin from Louisiana," but he's not. He has all this money to. F he's he's in an acting class, and at first Greg thinks he's just scraping by, and then Tommy pulls up in a Mercedes, and Greg's like, "Holy cow, what a nice car!" And Tommy tells him, and I'm not gonna get the accent right, but I'm gonna just I want to. You, you don't talk about my car. Don't talk about me and my car. It it's a weird accent, a weird guy, and so they're. Tommy's talking about how he wants to make a movie, and Greg's like, yeah, I'd love to, but God, you know, those are expensive. Tommy says, no, no, I made my own movie. And then they go to L.A., and Greg discovers that Tommy has an apartment in L.A. He's like, Tommy, how do you have an apartment in L.A.? You don't talk about me and my personal business. It's Tommy has all this money, so he decides he's going to make a movie. He has no idea how to make a movie. He doesn't really care. He wants to make a movie, and we never really know why. That's probably because nobody in real life has been able to figure out why Tommy wanted to make a movie. But Tommy writes it. And he, you know, he pulls different scenes and clips from movies that inspired him and crams it in this, and it doesn't work. It's just, I mean, The Room has become a, it's so bad, it's good cult classic. It came out in 2003. It is just terrible. But this provides an interesting look at behind the scenes of how a movie is made and how, you know, how this friendship has sustained and how Tommy made such a bad movie that he's become famous because of that. And again, it's not what he wanted. He thought this was an Oscar-ready, Oscar-winning movie. It's not. But it's crazy. And you almost wonder how accurate this is because, man, I know how weird Wiseau can be, how he can be. And it still makes me wonder, does he really talk like that? I mean, Greg is completely bewildered by him. And you kind of want, I mean, I laughed out loud multiple times in this. This movie's bonkers. I mean, there's a part where Wiseau is playing a character who kills himself. And it's just the oddest attempted acting I've ever seen. Even watching this and knowing how the movie got made, you wonder, how did this get made? And it just, it comes down to Wiseau's determination, I guess. Because you couldn't intentionally act as poorly as he does, and it's just crazy. Like, he's completely earnest. It's baffling. Absolutely baffling. I thought Franco did a great job of recreating the room and inhabiting Wiseau. And you know, part of me 
halfway through, I'm thinking, well, why would Greg even follow Tommy? You have to remember, Greg's young, and Wiseau is promising him the chance to achieve his dreams, to be a movie star. He wanted that. Yeah, you're going to just, you know, at that point, you're going to ignore all the the red flags about Tommy, and you're going to go for it. And even, you know, when the movie premieres, and we're, we're watching this in the, the movie, and the, it premieres, and everybody's excited, but then they start squirming as they watch the movie, and they realize they're squirming there. Before finally they come to their laughter, and they just, like, you know, just go with it. But you see Tommy, he just breaks in half. You know, he was very proud of this. Everybody starts laughing. He takes it personally. But Greg tells him, hey, look at the reaction you're getting. Top directors don't get this kind of reaction. Maybe it's not Maybe it's not the reaction you wanted. Maybe it's not because they think this is great cinema, but they still love it. And that's something that's crazy. That's the disaster artist. Uh, you should check it out, man. It's a lot of fun. It helps if you know a little bit about the room. If you don't think you still would enjoy this, but it's a whole amount of subtext that is robbed if you don't know I'd say watch it, but you really need to know. And I, Tanya, a look at the life and doomed career of ice skater Tanya Harding and her connection to one of the most infamous sports scandals in American history, the assault on rival Nancy Kerrigan for the 94. This is a self-aware movie. It breaks the fourth wall. Just to remind you how ridiculous this true story is. If if you didn't know this was based on true story, you'd think, I can't believe this. This would never happen like this. These people would not act as dumb as this, but it's true. And that's what's so crazy about this thing. It's, it's a true story. It is always entertaining. It's full of big territory. You've got Tanya who, I mean, I, I don't want to call her this, but the movie in essence calls her this. You know, she's not far from white trash. She's poor. You know, she's rock and roll, you know, screw authority, that type thing. But a lot of that she gets from her mom, and her mom is a character. Her mom is a handful. She's the type of person that would mo- make the Pope curse because her mom is selfish. Rules don't apply to her. She does what she wants, how she wants, and if you don't like it, screw you, whether you're right or wrong. And it's just, it's crazy. And you know, you, just, you don't like her mom. You can't like her mom. And her mom was abusive. It, Tanya really had a tough time growing up. She goes from her mom, who's emotionally manipulative, and a, to a boyfriend who is physically abusive. And that doesn't excuse anything that happened. And I wondered, well, how innocent is the movie going to portray her and it makes her look pretty good i mean there's some doubt there and i don't know if that's the movie providing that or me just a little skeptical but uh it, it is it's a crazy story and then you've got tanya's husband jeff his friend sean is a self-proclaimed international spy and that guy is just so for lack of a better word dumb and jeff just wanted to send nancy carrying threatening letters just to try and get her off her game somehow i mean again this is what the movie tells us i don't know what the story is i'm just going to relate what the movie tells us and then you've got sean who takes that to you know, assaulter, and he brags to everybody he meets, not just everybody he knows, but everybody he meets about how he set it up, and of course that gets them caught. Tanya, she's the anchor to this story, and it's easy to like her. You know, she's got this rough upbringing, but she has a desire to kind of revolutionize figure skating, not necessarily for the greater good of figure skating, but just because she wants to do things her way. Instead of skating the classical music, she wants to skate to ZZ Top. She wants to wear bright, you know, exciting outfits. And it really turned what figure skating was on its ear, and the figure, the People that ran figure skating didn't like her for that. Uh, this, uh, I thought it was really entertaining. It takes a little bit from the big short, you know, the breaking the fourth wall and some of that stuff. But the fourth wall is a little bit more condescending and excessive about it. I mean, they just kind of over you. But, you know, one of the greatest parts of that fourth wall breaking is there's a training montage. And it's straight out of Rocky. And the the movie even mentions, like, her trainer kind of turns to the camera and says, yeah, it's like a rock montage. The thing of it is, this really happened. And so it takes that scene to a whole new dimension because we've seen scenes like that. They're trite. They don't matter. You just kind of phase through them and you space out. But when she says it's true, you're thinking, good gosh, you know, that's pretty crazy. And this this whole story is pretty crazy. It's just a, it's an absurd story that I would not believe if it wasn't true. I really enjoyed it, Tanya. It is definitely worth checking out. Go to our website, crossthenetflixstream.com. 
this is your portal to find us on social media, our written reviews, news, previews, and videos. You can email me directly, ward at crossthenetflixstream.com. Go to iTunes or your preferred podcast player. Rate this, review it. I would appreciate it. I watch movies on Netflix so you don't have to.